Next on Rugby Wrap-Up, Steve Lewis, Brian Ray, and Matt McCarthy with Major League Rugby analysis and previews that you do not want to miss. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by The Pig and Whistle, the world's best rugby pub. The Murphy Kennedy Group, founded with the idea that construction can be done better. And Lean and Limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. And we are back on Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy, Steve Lewis, and Brian Ray talking Major League Rugby. Here's our analysis segment. And we have a beaming Brian Ray in front of his Toronto Arrows backdrop because his team won. Otherwise, he'd be rooting for the other team. Brian, take us back to Toronto on the road, winning, getting that first win, 40-19, to overall glory just uh tears of joy watching that match uh from the get-go it looked like the rest was gone this is the arrows that we knew that we were expecting this season uh making a mess of the breakdown good line speed uh you know running simple but effective patterns going forward you know finding creating line breaks not really trying to force stuff uh it's just a fantastic performance all around a couple little nitpicky things you can find here or there but uh yeah so good to see and uh, an awesome win you know and steven we talked to lucas rumble the captain and he's a youngish guy 25 but you brought up a very good point in that conversation how the mlr is really going to benefit team canada because they have all these guys on one team for the arrows and that front row of team of, I was going to say team Canada of the arrows last week, they were an average age of 23 and that's only going to make that front row better. I think a factor in the success of most international teams is something that's referred to as cohesion, right? They tend to draw from, you know, two or three club teams, the, the core of their team. Um, so if they're getting reps together, week in week out practice they're playing together they know each other it, it, it can certainly having you know even 50 60 percent of the canadian squad with toronto is a fantastic thing for canadian rugby and brian the downside of or the upside of them being together during this whole COVID thing is the bonding yeah these guys are tight but you know the canadian players in general a lot of them have played together coming up through age grade the u20 system within their province uh you know so they all know each other either playing against each other or playing with each other anyways there aren't too many guys who are going to come into the team who are really you know who's this guy who never heard of him before so uh, i think that cohesion in general is probably a you know a strength of canadian rugby but obviously uh, we need a little bit more to be successful at international level and on the old glory side, they had youth in that match as well. The two wings, Cusano and Devontae Noble, and the fly half, Mike DeBullis, who may have struggled at times. So those are all top-notch collegiate players over the last couple of years. I actually coached them all, uh, All-American Sevens, Kutztown, Penn State, and Cal, right? Three good programs. So big step up for them, particularly for uh, Dabulis in the, in the pivot spot at 10. It's a big responsibility. Um, baptism of fire. He, he said some good clock previous couple of weeks in other roles, 15 and what have you. Um, but that was a big burden on his shoulders last week um, and a tough game for him. Next one up, Utah Warriors went into New England Free Jacks home opener at Union Point Stadium and came up just short, Steve. Yes, yeah, so obviously a historic game for the New England Free Jacks franchise, right? Um, it's their first year last year. They were playing on the road, and then, as we know, COVID hit. 
so he never got to play that home game. Um, you know, you and I went up there, did a bit of commentary, right? A couple of years back, did that Cara Cup thing at that particular ground in Weymouth. And it was a good thing building. Um, it's a passionate rugby area. League needs a strong uh, Boston team. Um, so for them to get a win on their home opener, you know, it's good for them. It's good, good for them. Good for the league. Uh, Utah came back late and almost pipped them, 22-21. But um, I think away wins are going to be worth their weight in gold. They're, they're pretty hard to get. People will underestimate, particularly with the COVID protocols, the added hardship and hassle of traveling. And you would know this because you are the general manager of the New York franchise. Uh, Brian, you are a stats guy, a trivia guy, and a savant, really, when it comes to Major League Rugby and all rugby. Who scored the first ever try in a regular season Major League Rugby game? Stephen, you're not allowed to answer this, at Union Point Stadium in the home opener. Josh Whippy. Oh, you're good. Who got the first <laughs> penalty goal? Uh, Baudin Walker. Ah, he's two for two, and we'll move on. We're not going to stump him. Brian, your thoughts on that match? Yeah, great, entertaining match. Uh, you know, we've talked about Utah being an 80-minute team. Well, they weren't in this game, but the problem wasn't the end of the game or the beginning of the game. is is a 20-minute chunk right in the middle where they kind of let the Free Jacks run rampant. So they'll have to iron that out. Uh, you know, took some silly penalties in there. They can, It's, it's fixable, uh, but just uh, delighted that they finally got a game in in Boston. And, uh, you know, it'll be really uh, something to see once we get this COVID thing over with and we can have a, a full, full stands uh, in there to enjoy it. And Utah, again, showing, and I'm going to beat this dead horse, they're showing they're not a 60-minute team. They came back, scored it at, in extra time. It's, a, it's always a good sign, especially on the road, right? But great day for rugby up there in New England. Happy for the Free Jacks to get that win. San Diego Legion at Rugby ATL. I thought San Diego was on the up and up. They were starting to get their stuff together. But then it was 15-15, and then the floodgates opened, and the Rattlers just decimated and Steve I think it was little reported uh, San Diego had a bit of food poisoning trouble so they did, three or four guys didn't make the trip um, that's just a fact uh, but yeah it was a surprising result right you know you've got a very well coached well organized young Atlanta team and they're going to be a force in this league it's just a matter of when um, but I, I I was surprised by that result myself by the uh, the nature of the, and the margin Brian what did you take away from that match yeah, I, I think what we've seen from San Diego this season has been pretty consistent so far in that we've seen these individual moments of brilliance. Sam Wuching, another ridiculous line, scores a fantastic try. And then just, you know, nothing happens for a bit. Uh, you know, I think John Cullen was saying, I heard him talking about them playing like a bunch of individuals rather than a team. And I, I think that's pretty, uh, that's pretty accurate right now. They've got some incredible talent. They're just not gelling at the moment. Uh, in, in, in that, you know, we talked about cohesion. It's just uh, it's just not happening for San Diego right now. And I don't know if he was part of that food poisoning bunch that missed the game, but Nate Augsburger was out, and he's a key component to that San Diego franchise as well. Houston Sabercats in the Texas Two-Step Cup went into Austin, and the Gogronis smoked them, Brian. Yeah, uh, really disappointing from a Houston perspective. For for Austin, I guess we'll start there. They're just, uh, you know, they're starting to look better. They're miss, still missing some bodies. They weren't quite their full component, but uh, they got their set pieces a bit more accurate this week. A couple uh, driving balls in for tries earlier. Uh, credits to Mason Coke for those a uh, couple scores. The only is what third game as a professional. That's pretty impressive. Uh, but Houston, you know, 
they're almost an entirely rejigged back line this week. So, you know, just not really firing there, um, missing some, but they really missed Devette Roos. You talked about Augsburger with San Diego. Devette Roos is the heart and soul of that team. Now they're getting Nick Boyer. That's going to help them. Uh, you know, they couldn't quite get him in for the game this past weekend. That would have helped, but uh, Devette Roos is so important to that side. So, you know, I'm not sure when he's coming back or what, but uh, they're going to have to find something real soon. Yeah, they picked up Boyer in that cap clearing trade with the Giltini, Steve. They did, yep. Yep. Poor old uh, Phil's bounced around, right? He's gone from Glendale to Dallas to L.A. to Houston. Um, the life of a professional rugby player. Long hair, short hair, you name it, he's had it. We'll mm -hmm. look to see how he impacts that team. But, wow, the Sabercats, two consecutive oh, bad losses. What is the nature of the beast in trading? in Major League Rugby as opposed to other professional sports where if you're going for a playoff push, you're a buyer and maybe you're a seller if you're not. Is that, is that component going to play into this league, do you think? Yeah, but it, it's way early. If you're trading players now, you didn't get it right beginning of the season, preseason, right? You didn't get the right squad. I mean, what do you look, when, when do you trade? You trade, you get a run of injuries, uh, you're struggling, or perhaps, you know, you are going for that playoff push. You're also constrained by what you've already spent if you are, you know, uh, observing a salary cap. So so there's that limitation on you. You might not have any room to trade even if you want to, and there may not be any need. Like, for instance, we're pretty comfortable with our squad right now. Um, if we got two injuries at scrum half, you got to make a move. So so it's, it's, it's early to think about it, but it's usually driven by injury or potentially driven by a bad run of results we need to you know, switch things up, maybe a different couple of voices in the dressing room. Who knows? Dumb question, but if you're at the cap and you have two injuries, are you allowed to put those players on an injured list and bring in other players and yeah. technically be over the cap? Yeah, it, it hasn't happened to me yet, so I haven't done the details, but I think if it's a season-ending injury, um, you, you do, you can claw back, I believe it's like 60 70% of what the contract was. Um, but you've got to go in. You've got to go into the season having given yourself some buffer space. Yeah, you know yeah. injuries are coming. You know you're going to have to get in a couple of APC guys. So you've got to keep a little bit of space there. And if you haven't done it, you haven't really done your job. Brian, your arrows are the team that has to struggle the most during this. You know, the, the lack of flexibility on getting players in and out of there. Yeah, so it's not a cap problem with Toronto. It's a it's a problem of a border and and quarantine. We saw it with the Argentine uh, duo Tukule and Montero. They had to go through quarantine. They were only available a few days before the first game, so they didn't end up playing them. But you know, this past weekend had to get Liam Murray in from Houston because the two a couple front row injuries. So um, yeah, that's a tough one for them. You know, you can't just call in Rob Brower and have him down. You know, the next day, which is you know just disappointing. But that's just the way it is. So. Just going to have to deal with it for the rest of the season. Yeah. All right, guys, let's take a quick break and come back with previews for next week. We'll be right back. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle on West 36th Street. I've been blind since I was four, and I've never seen a beer commercial or a beer label. None of that stuff influences me. I drink beer because of the taste. And my beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon. It has a taste on the flavor. What do you think's on the label? I think there's a, a naked woman 
riding on a unicorn, jumping over fire. Oh, that's good beer. Steve Lewis and Matt McCarthy talking Major League Rugby. We talked about what happened last week. Let's talk about what's in front of us. We have the L.A. Giltinis on the road for the first time out of the friendly confines of the Coliseum in Los Angeles, and they're going into Toronto. No, they're not. Old joke, I know, but it just underscores the problem. They're going into NOLA to play Toronto, Brian. Yeah, so essentially a neutral venue for both. Uh, I think the past week has been good for both teams, probably. Toronto getting a bit of momentum, getting a big win, getting some confidence back. And uh, the Giltinis, or LA, I guess I should just stick with that, uh, You know, getting a little bit a, a week to kind of rest some bumps and bruises from the early uh, bits of the season. I know Bill Meeks had a, a banged up shoulder. Now, they probably wish that bye was a little bit later in the season, but there it is. Uh, I think this is an awesome contest, and I'm picking the arrows to upset the apple cart and beat these uh, Galacticos, as Mr. Lewis likes to call them. If that doesn't happen, are you going to have a Giltini's banner behind you? No. <laughs> I'll make an exception. What? You can't do that. You've established a precedent here. <laughs> I know. I'm on, I'm on thin ice here. I just hope Toronto wins, and I don't have to look bad like that. <laughs> Steven, we'll see. what is your, ta- your take on NOLA being the home ground for the arrows i think it makes sense from a league perspective I and mean, it's a good venue right so it, it looks good um it helps nola drive a crowd perhaps it makes it a bumper day down there perhaps it makes it easier for tv production so there's a lot of different uh, angles on it that make it make sense i don't i don't see much difference from L- la going to atlanta than going to new orleans i don't see them in similar similar climates Next one up, the Austin Gilgronis, victorious over the Houston Sabercats in the Texas Cup, going into NOLA. So it's a twin bill in NOLA, as they say. Steven, you like twin bills? Yeah, I mean, if I'm a fan, it's a great thing. So back to the game, though. Austin going to, they'll be looking to, you know, keep on moving up. NOLA obviously had a big win against New York 10 days ago, whatever it was. So they'll be looking to capitalize on that. Uh, interesting, interesting game. They stole the win against new york i'll say it you don't have to say uh, it. i disagree with that characterization they deserve well, this is my show and i i say they stole it brian go ahead <laughs> well nola had a week off uh you know to kind of fix out any problems that they found in that uh, new york game did look like a lot um I like Nola at home against Austin, even though I also like Austin. I think they got a couple bumps and bruises. Not sure if Bryce Campbell's back this week or not. And also not sure if Hanno Dirksen is going to make his major league rugby debut for Nola. That would be fun to see. But I think uh, Nola looks good early in the season. Uh, I'm going with Nola. See, I love Nola, Nate Osborne, and I am always rooting for, for New Orleans. But I think they're sloppy, and I think that they're – playing with guys they, they don't have the firepower in the back line that they thought they were going to have because of the unfortunate injuries and i think the gilgronis could be three and oh right now and i think that they've got some very experienced players in that pack that pack dominated the Sabercats last week you know the wapa as they call him he, he's he's front and center and patty ryan 
despite having a few extra pounds, was getting around the pitch pretty good. And Mason Peterson, he's a he's a force of nature. So I'm going to go with the Gilgronis in this one on the road in a stunning upset of NOLA. San Diego Legion at the Houston Sabercats. This is an interesting one because San Diego is kind of hard to figure, Brian. Yeah, they just uh, they're not firing at the moment. Uh, you know, hopefully those guys who had food poisoning problems will all be available again this week. Don't know if Nate Augsburger is going to come in. Obviously, he's a key man, but Houston, have, I mean, no points in two games. I don't know how you can really pick them even playing at home. So I got to pick San Diego on the road, although, you know, these are both uh, struggling teams at the moment. Steve, your your view of this one as a, an objective observer? Yeah, it's a good opportunity. It's another long trip for San Diego, right? Um, but it's an opportunity for them. It, the only way to get your confidence back is to get back right back on the horse, get back out there and get a win. And Houston might be the best possible opposition for them at this particular moment. I, I, I think San Diego, I, I keep going to the well with San Diego here. I, I think they're going to go into Houston and, and win this one easily, to be honest with you. I, I just don't see... Houston fooled me once and they're not fooling me again. And until they win again, as John Layfield has said on the show about Toronto, he's never going to pick Toronto until they win. And fortunately he's wrong. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to go that I'm going to follow that mantra with Houston. That, that leads us to our next battle. The Seattle Seawolves, another struggling side playing the Warriors in Utah. Brian, what do you think of this one? Well, interesting. Uh, Seattle just picked up uh, uh, former Utah prop uh, Hula Hula Mungaloa, the ex-Eagles loose head as well. So that uh, helps their front row problems that they have. But Seattle, uh, just I, I didn't see a whole lot of life until the end uh, when James Malcolm came on against L.A. They've really struggled. They don't look uh, certainly don't look like they're headed towards a championship this season. Uh, Utah looked pretty good aside from that 20 minute stretch. Uh, last week against New England, so I got to go with Utah at home in this one. But Mal Malcolm had the hat trick, right, coming in in the second half. He did, yeah. Just, not, just nine minutes in. in, and he's got three tries. Nine minutes, so over an eighty-minute period, that's like twenty-seven tries. Steve, <laughs> just put put the guy in for the whole game, and it's problem solved. I don't understand. It's not that complicated. It just doesn't work that way. Fair enough. I'm going to go with Utah at home. The Warriors have impressed me. They've shown me moxie, they've shown me grit, and they've shown me that they can play 80 minutes of interested rugby. Meanwhile, Seattle is struggling, and they're on the road. And I think Utah is going to smoke them. Finally, Rugby United New York, coming off a of bye week, goes into ATL, who are coming off an enormous win over San Diego. Now, New York beat San Diego in Las Vegas, and New York was rusty because they hadn't had any game action. ATL has got a lot of games under their belt or a lot of rugby under their belt, Brian. Uh, really interesting match, you know, aside from the LA Toronto one, this is the one I'm keeping an eye on uh, and hard to pick. I, I think a lot of it's going to come down to the game plan that New York pulls out in this one. I hated the game plan they had against NOLA. So if they can kind of revert a little bit and play a, a little bit more like what we think New York rugby is like, getting a little bit more structure and, and, and maybe uh, focus on their set piece a little bit more. Um, I think there's a, there's a game to be played here. If they go spin to win like they did against NOLA, I think they'll get beaten by a really uh, hungry and exciting young ATL side. So a uh, really difficult match to call. Oh, boy. Uh, if you put me on the spot, I'm going to go with uh, uh, ATL with the slight upset in this one. 
okay, you'll be having a Rugby United New York banner behind you next week to, to go along with your rugby Team USA banner. Steve, who's going to win? You're just the general manager of New York. Who's going to win? The better team. May the better team win. Uh, diplomatic answer. I'm going to answer for him. Um, New York's going to win this one, and let me tell you why. They're going to win this one because they've had some time to gel. They've had some time to, to put the shovels down and stop shoveling snow. They've also had some time to rest and to heal and for the guys to get to know each other a little bit more, to work out who's doing what. I think New York's going to win this one in a squeaker that's not to be missed. How about that, Brian? I like it. I like it. One of us is going to look uh, slightly less shiny next week. Well, you know, is it not abundantly obvious that you pick Toronto every week and I pick New York every week? Is it, you know, <laughs> who's kidding who here? The player's coming back. You got, you know, Savetta's in contention. Nick Savetta, the six foot 12 legend out of Team USA, Notre Dame. All right. So I want to point out that there is this nice thing about talent in major league rugby you've got front rows that i'm looking could be on the radar for team usa i know brian's team canada has got some young front rows as we talked about but that's the the, the, ex, the exposure the of these players to better players is only going to make them better and it makes it all better for us as fans on that note on behalf of mr brian ray of america's rugby news mr stephen lewis of rugby united new york i'm matt mccarthy and please check out our other segments including our major league rugby show our global rugby recap. What are the odds? Our Major League Rugby Sports Bet Show with the Philly Godfather, John Bradshaw Layfield, the WWE legend, and Gifty Bailu, Martial Law, the Zack Attack. And please sign up for our American Red Cross Rugby Wrap-Up Blood Donor Team. <laughs>